Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. She's a fashion blogger, model, and entrepreneur. She's amazing. The latest tips on fashion, beauty, wellness, travel, and her lifestyle. And now, here's the founder and creator of Not Basic Blonde, Olasha. Hello, loves. Welcome back to another episode of Not Basic Blonde podcast. I have a very exciting guest for you today. His name is Drew Manning, and he's health and wellness coach, creator of TV show Fit to Fat to Fit, New York Times bestselling author, podcast host, and keto diet expert. Drew made major headlines eight years ago when he embarked on a journey to gain 70 pounds to understand what his clients have to go through and experience the challenges himself. So he has done it eight years ago when he was in his 30s. Now he's doing this experiment for the second time when he's 40. So we will find out more in this episode. So exciting, guys. Also, we will be talking about keto diet, what mistakes people tend to make. We are doing overview on keto, paleo, vegan, and vegetarian diets. Also, diets don't work. What's the best strategy to lose extra pounds? How do you stay determined and dedicated to your fitness goals? Is it possible to lose weight without intense diet and exercise? And so much more. So before we dive in, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review Not Basic Blonde Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Hi, Drew. I'm so glad to have you on my podcast. How are you today? I'm doing good. Oh, yeah. Nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you too. It has an incredible story and we would love to know more about it and we would love to learn about yourself. So would you please tell our listeners about yourself and your background? Yeah, so my name is Drew Manning and most people know me as the fit to fit to fit guy. So back in 2011, um, I was a personal trainer at the time and I grew up my entire life in shape. So I was always, you know, you know, uh, looked good, uh, muscles, six pack, like all that stuff, right? Um, and then I became a personal trainer and here I was someone who had never been overweight a day in my life, trying to help people who had been overweight pretty much, you know, the majority of their life. 
And I couldn't understand why it was so hard for my clients just to eat healthy and exercise every day. And they kept messing up or they couldn't stay consistent. And I, I would get frustrated, like, just go to the gym and put down the junk food. It's not that hard. And so anyways, I decided to embark on a journey for six months where I decided to let myself go completely. So I stopped exercising. I stopped eating healthy food and I ended up gaining 75 pounds in six months to gain a better understanding of what it was like to be overweight for the first time in my life. And so that fit to fat to fit experiment kind of went viral. Um, a lot of people followed that journey <laughs> back in 2011. I went on a bunch of TV shows, wrote a book, and then eventually even created my own TV show uh, called Fit to Fat to Fit, where we put other trainers through this process. And so that's a little bit about my background. That's a little bit how I got started in this industry. And as you'll probably tell your audience, I am currently doing this again a second time <laughs> about 10 years later, uh, but we can talk about why and how and all that stuff um, you know, later on the podcast. Yeah, that's definitely an amazing story. And what was your diet like when you were trying to gain weight? <laughs> yeah, so calories a day. That's a good question. I actually didn't track my calories, but if you've ever been to America or if any of your followers have been here, there's a lot of unhealthy food. So a lot of processed you know, sugary sodas, white bread, white pasta, juices, granola bars, chips, cookies, crackers, lots of microwavable foods. These types of foods here in America, uh, we have an abundance of. And it's very easy to gain weight eating these processed foods, you know, um, because the, the food is very cheap and affordable, right? It costs less than real food. Also, it's very convenient, right? You either warm it up in the microwave or you add milk and it's, it's already made ready to eat, right? You don't have to prepare it. And then also they're designed to be addictive and the, they're very hyper palatable, which means the, te the taste, the texture are very delicious to the tongue. And so it's very easy to get addicted to these foods. Yeah. All my followers are actually US based, like 90%. Okay. But okay, so they'll know what I'm talking about then. <laughs> yeah. And but when I came first for US from Russia like 15 years ago, I was shocked why orange juice has 30 grams of sugar, which in <laughs> Russia it's totally not the case. It has like maybe 10, 15. And I was wondering like why all the foods are are in like high fat, high sugar. It was like shocking for me. So first when I came to US, I probably gained like five, six pounds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because I didn't know that I started like, you know, mixing orange juice with water and like cutting down on bread, not eating pasta, not eating cereal, yes. not eating carbs. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard. I think most Americans, you know, when I grew up here in the 80s, this kind of stuff was marketed to us as healthy food, right? It's low fat. It's got vitamins and minerals. It's got whole grains. And like the way these companies market it to market them to us makes us think, oh, well, I'm eating low fat. I'm eating, you know, all natural. I'm eating whole grains. Like, why am I gaining weight? And this is why we have such a huge obesity epidemic here in the US, because these foods are marketed to us as healthy foods. They're cheaper than real food right? You can go to McDonald's or any fast food place and get a, a meal for $5, but the salad is like seven or $8. You know what I'm saying? And so soda is cheaper than water. And so it, we have it backwards, unfortunately, here in America, where we make it almost not impossible, but a lot harder to be healthy than to be unhealthy, right? Because there's so many convenience products, there's so many fast food places. And most of the food that people eat here is unhealthy food because we also eat our emotions like when we're happy we celebrate with 
you know, food and drinks. And then when we're sad, we, we, we eat food and drinks that are mostly unhealthy to make us feel better temporarily. And it's a, every Friday is a celebration, you know, every holiday is a celebration. There's food, all kinds of like unhealthy food around all these holidays and birthdays and uh, parties and you know what I'm saying? So it just becomes part of the culture. Yeah, it's like I was first shocked, like how much people can eat and why everywhere it smells like food. Everywhere you go, like to school, to like any place, <laughs> everywhere it smells like food. And the most like entertaining part of everything is, is like going out to eat. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. And so it is a part of the culture. So it is a little bit harder, um, but it is still possible to eat healthy food, which I'm sure we'll get into eventually because I have to do that starting Monday, January 4th. I got to start eating healthy again. Wow, that's nice. And how did you feel when you gained 60 pounds? Like, because you were fit like all your entire life and then all of a sudden you gained so much weight. How did yeah, you feel? Really good question. So comparing, so I did it 10 years ago and I'm currently, you know, doing it again. So I'm up 60 pounds and I have to lose it. So kind of comparing those two experiences, the feeling is really hard to describe other than, you know, uh, I'm sleep deprived, which means I'm tired all day long. I have brain fog, uh, feeling lethargic, you know, just feeling unmotivated to, you know, clean the house, do dishes, laundry, um, you know, work stuff. You're, you're less motivated when you're exhausted all day long. And so, um, and then your ability to handle stress is not what it used to be. And so it's really hard to deal with stressful situations because then you become more stressed out, your cortisol rises. And then when your cortisol spikes, sometimes you reach for the unhealthy food to make you feel better temporarily to bring your stress levels down. But then that creates a vicious cycle of continually doing that throughout the day. Like, oh, I'm stressed, drink some wine. Oh, I'm stressed, eat some chocolate. Oh, I'm stressed, eat some cake. And we, we constantly do that to ourselves. And before you know it, you end up gaining a lot of weight, a lot of fat, you become unhealthier, you don't have the motivation to exercise, it's harder to exercise because you're out of breath, your muscles are sore constantly. And so it, it, that's how I felt. And um, it's not a pleasant feeling. But I think most people get stuck there because that becomes their normal. Does that make sense? Like that becomes their everyday life. So they don't really know any different. For me, who loves being healthy and fit, because I like the way it feels, to go from that extreme to very unhealthy, naturally, I want to go back to feeling healthy again. But for other people, they've been unhealthy for years or decades. And they really don't know what it feels like to be healthy. So they don't really know what they're missing. So I think it's hard for some people to be motivated when they don't really know any difference. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. It does. And of course, I think they just like think it's normal to have all these feelings and not feeling like when you're fresh and super energized, it's like probably for them would feel abnormal when you're healthy. Like when you're healthy, it's totally different. Yeah, it's, it's very true. And I know one of your diets, you like to be on keto diet. And I tried myself personally, and it was really hard. Like I cheated like here and there. <laughs> I still was in ketosis, but not so high because I just could not handle it. I mean, I think I had like keto flu, like they say, you know, but what are your best tips on staying on keto diet? That's a good question. So I, I coach a lot of people on keto. Um, I'll be using keto for the journey back to fit. I've written a book about keto. It's really hard because I don't know how old you are, but you know, most of us have been running off of carbohydrates probably most of our life. Like we've been, you know, cereal for breakfast, rice, pasta, bread. We, we run off carbohydrates the majority of our life. And then all of a sudden we try and go keto 
And that first week, your body is so used to glucose as its fuel source that when you don't have any glucose, your body kind of panics. It doesn't really know yet how to use ketones as that alternative fuel source. And so that's where a lot of people struggle during the first two to three weeks because your body's transitioning. And if people could just be patient a little bit and just give their body time to adjust and adapt, that's where you start to feel really good. So a little a bit of hacks for you, Olya, when you do transition, you definitely want to be supplementing with salt, lots of salt, because when you transition to keto, your body loses a lot of water weight. And when you lose that water weight, you lose those electrolytes and minerals like sodium, potassium, and magnesium. And that's why you feel so horrible. That's why you experience the keto flu. But if you supplement with lots of salt, potassium, magnesium, that can help alleviate those keto flu symptoms. And if you just be patient with yourself, give yourself, I would say, minimum 30 days to adjust and adapt. I promise at some point your body will start to feel better because from an evolutionary standpoint, our ancestors we're in, in and out of ketosis probably all the time because they didn't have access to food. Like here in the, in the 21st century, we have restaurants, grocery stores, you know, Uber Eats, fast food places. Like you can get food any time of the day, but our ancestors, you know, hundreds of years ago had to hunt and, and gather food. And so sometimes they had to go without food for two, three days, maybe two, three weeks at some times. And guess what? If every human in the world stopped eating today, Within two, three, four days, most humans would be in a state of ketosis just naturally because that's the way our bodies were designed. We were designed to run off of two different types of fuel, glucose, which is from carbs, or ketones, which is from fats. And our body, when you're in a state of ketosis, you burn your stored body fat as energy, but it does take a little while to transition. So I totally get what you're saying. It's really hard in the beginning, but just understand that you've trained your body for so long to become efficient at using glucose and it is, but now then you, you try and switch over to, you know, using your fat as energy in a state of ketosis. And it's not fun in the beginning, but I promise you eventually, if you stick with it, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, you'll start to feel amazing. Your body will start burning fat more efficiently. And so that's the advice I would give to people is make sure and supplement with electrolytes, drink lots of water, more water than normal, because you're losing a lot of water weight. And then, and then also be patient. And you, got, you do have to stay consistent. If you do keto for three days, Olya, and then you eat carbs the next day, well, you got to kind of start back over. <laughs> so, so the longer you stay in a, in a state of ketosis, the more efficient your body becomes at using ketones as an energy source. It just it, it takes some patience and, and those little hacks with the electrolytes like salt that, that I mentioned. I know you mentioned salt, but usually salt uh, retains our body weight and how do you like lose weight if salt helps you keep weight but i guess because of keto you have to and it doesn't really affect your body yeah your body needs salt so salt is an essential mineral like uh, without salt we can become very very unhealthy as as humans so when you switch over to a keto diet you're eating lots of fats your body doesn't retain as much water and so when you're not retaining as much water you can become dehydrated and you have an imbalance of electrolytes. So on keto, you need to add in lots of salt and you need to add in potassium and, and magnesium so that your electrolytes aren't off balance because you're not retaining as much water as you used to when you were eating carbs. And so salt is a good thing on keto. That's the good thing about keto is adding salt to your food, adding butter to your food, <laughs> um, lots of healthy fats make your food taste better because fats are very, you know, delicious that tastes really good you know bacon steak eggs cheese heavy cream butter 
these types of things make our food more flavorful. And, um, and so on keto, you're adding those fats in, but you're taking out the carbohydrates, the bread, the pasta, the rice, the cereal, the grains, the sugar, um, you know, uh, desserts like that. And there are keto substitutes nowadays to where you can have keto desserts and still stay in ketosis. But um, when you switch over, you definitely want to make sure and add in that salt. And I promise you, I, I promise you, if you don't want to experience the keto flu, add salt in. <laughs> I see. But how do you not spike up your cholesterol? Because my cholesterol is already high, <laughs> even though I'm young, I'm 32. But yeah. like on keto, it's like, you know, you go all in with all the fatty <laughs> foods and all the cholesterol. I mean, full cholesterol. Yeah. So cholesterol is kind of tricky and it's not as simple as like, okay, cholesterol goes up. That's bad because HDL, which is your good cholesterol also goes up. So you want your HDL to go up. And if you don't have enough healthy fats in your diet, your HDL, which is your good cholesterol stays low. And so adding, so yes, your cholesterol goes up, but a lot of that is probably your HDL, which is your good cholesterol. So that's a good thing, right? And for some people that are eating lots of processed sugar and, and, and processed carbohydrates and refined sugars, guess what? Their cholesterol still is elevated, their LDL, which is bad cholesterol. And when people switch over to a keto diet, mostly whole foods based keto diet, you know, where they're not eating a lot of processed keto foods, guess what? Most of their cholesterol goes down, but their HDL goes up. And the other thing you want to look at and not to get too scientific is your HDL, HDL to triglyceride ratio. So when people eat a lot of sugar or carbohydrates, their tri triglycerides are really high and their HDL is low. But when you switch over to keto, your HDL, good cholesterol, goes up and your triglycerides go down. And that reduces any risk factors from high cholesterol. So definitely talk to a doctor that understands keto. And don't just think just because your cholesterol goes up, that's a bad thing, because that could be your HDL going up and your triglycerides are going down. That's a good trend that most doctors would want to see is, okay, your HDL is going up and your triglycerides are going down. So that's, that's one thing I would recommend to people that are afraid to eat these foods. Because if you think about it, our ancestors, they didn't eat just the egg whites. They didn't cut the fat off of their meat, <laughs> you know? And these were, you know, our ancestors were healthy as far as nutrition. They didn't have cardiovascular disease or heart disease like we do. You know, they probably died of like different kind of infections and <laughs> different diseases. But when it comes to, you know, nutrition, you know, fat is actually really healthy for humans. But we've been told for decades now that fat is bad for you. If you eat fat, you get fat. Well, if that were the case, when we went low fat in America in the 70s and 80s, you see obesity skyrocket <laughs> because these processed carbohydrates, these refined sugars, these, these foods that are so delicious and tasty, yeah, if you ate them in moderation, you would probably be fine. But what happens when people eat cereal for breakfast, you know, um, sandwiches uh, for lunch, and then pasta for dinner, and then cookies and cake, that are all that could be low fat, they are hungry for more. Like that's the problem is we eat so many calories and it's hard to control your hunger when you're eating these, these, uh, you know, these processed foods because they spike your blood sugar levels. And then, and then when you get a spike, you, you get a crash later on. And then when you're feeling that crash, you get hangry. You know what I'm saying? And then you want more, you crave more of that junk food because your body, you're, you've conditioned your body to almost, so it's almost like a drug. You want the high that you get from eating chips, cookies, candy, soda. You know what I'm saying? You want the high that you get from those foods. And so it, it's going to take a shift in, in mindset and realize that, okay, eating fat isn't bad. But if you eat high fat and high sugar, that's probably a bad combination. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, it does. Well, I naturally don't like carbs. Like I naturally live off like kind of low carb diet. And uh-huh. I used to just only past couple of years. I've loved myself pizza sometimes too much. <laughs> but like before, I didn't allow myself pizza for many years. And to eat like bread or pasta, never. Like yeah. rice, no. <laughs> like later on i just got tired of dieting which like most people say diets don't work of course and just kind of allow myself here and there now but keto wasn't that that hard for me but just like some of it was hard and i know so many people make mistakes on keto like what are the common mistakes people make yeah so the the first two i mentioned were not drinking enough water and not supplementing with electrolytes the other thing is people just people don't do the research and they just jump in eating butter, bacon, and cheese all day long thinking, okay, I can eat anything without carbs and just eat as much of it as I want. And that's not necessarily true. So I would definitely say do your research to understand what foods to eat. And then also here in America, we gravitate towards these convenience packaged foods that are microwavable that you don't have to really spend time preparing. So if you could focus on a whole foods approach, meaning, you know, you know, real food, right? Not, not these, these packaged processed foods that are available nowadays, maybe an occasional keto cookie every now and then, or a keto dessert. Like I'm totally fine with that. But if most of your food is these packaged microwavable keto meals, they're not always the healthiest ingredients in them. And people don't eat, sometimes eat enough vegetables on keto. They're mostly just eating meat and cheese, not really tracking calories or macros. They're just cutting out the carbs thinking, oh, well, I'm in ketosis. And that's not necessarily true. And so this is why, you know, listening to a podcast or buying a book that teaches you about keto before just jumping into it can really save you from experiencing the keto flu and actually seeing really good results, not just in fat loss, but like the reason I do keto Olya is because I love the way my brain feels on keto. Like I just feel my brain is a lot more clear and sharp and focused throughout the day versus when I'm running off of carbs, I feel very lethargic, a lot of brain fog. Um, when, when I, when, when I get hangry too on keto, you don't really feel that hangry feeling, um, at all. And so you don't feel the need to eat every two or three hours. You can eat once or twice a day, go six or seven hours between meals and still feel full and satiated. Does that make sense? So those, those would be the, the common mistakes I think that people make, um, when, when just jumping into keto. Yeah, definitely about not counting calories that I was not even thinking about that because yeah, you can eat everything you want without carbs, but actually, yeah, you, you should not forget about calorie count. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you try it all. You tried keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian. What do you think of all the diets? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, here in America, we're obsessed with diets, right? We're like what's the, the best diet out there? And so what I wanted to do on this, on my fit to fat to fit journey is gaining weight, I actually was wanted to expose the mistakes that people make. So I actually did keto, but in an unhealthy way to show people what not to do. Same thing with paleo, vegan, and vegetarian to show people like, hey, just because you're a vegan doesn't necessarily mean you're going to become healthier because guess what? Oreos are vegan. Lots of sodas are vegan. And if you're just eating bread, pasta, and rice, yeah, you're vegan, but is that the healthiest way to do it? So I actually did all four of those diets, including keto, right? I kind of showed people how not to do keto and ended up gaining body fat. And, you know, my blood work was really bad on all of them. And on the journey back to fit come February of next year, I'll show people how to do these diets the right way, the healthy way, 
you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, bioindividuality. And what I mean by that is you're, you, Olya, are different and, and your nutritional needs are different than mine. So what works for you might not work for me and vice versa. And so it's important for people because sometimes people will see what celebrities are eating. And they're like, okay, I'm going to do that diet because it seems to be working for them, thinking it's going to work the same for you. But that's why it's so individual. So I believe some people can be healthier on vegan and other people might be healthier on carnivore. It just depends on the person and you know their lifestyle factors. There's a lot of factors that, that play into this. I think that there's different ways of eating for different people. But the, inter- the important thing to remember is that what works for you today, like let's say you're hardcore paleo, right? And it's working really well. Maybe four or five years from now, it's not working as well. You're not feeling as good. Maybe you need to change some things up. Maybe try more of a plant-based approach and see if that works for you for a period of time. And then maybe plant-based you know, doesn't need to become this religious thing, but maybe it's just something where like, okay, I feel good on this, but I can't do it long-term. So maybe I do it for two or three months out of the year and then cycle in and out of certain ways of eating. So for me, I don't do keto strict every day. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I cycle in and out of ketosis. Sometimes I'll do more paleo, or maybe some days I'll do more of a plant-based day, reduce my meat consumption and, and cycle through that to really you know, cause I think our bodies, if you look at our ancestors, they didn't just eat one way, like no one just ate, you know, keto or no one just ate vegan. You know, we ate whatever was available to us. So, um, our bodies were designed to eat all different types of foods in my opinion. And so it's good to experiment to find what works best for you. I agree. I go through the cycles too. Like sometimes I don't feel like eating meat at all. So I can just like have veggies yeah. and like salads and stuff. And sometimes I do like low carb, and also you mentioned before that you did this experiment again in your 40s. Yeah. And how is it different from last time? That's a good question. So I'm currently in the process of about to lose the weight, right? So I've gained 62 pounds in four months um, and, and I'm 40. I just turned 40 a couple of days ago. Back when I first did it, I was 31. And um, we will see how the journey back to fit is different. I don't know how that journey is going to be yet. I might not lose the weight. I might be stuck at this weight because it's harder because I'm older, but I don't know that yet. We will see. I'll put that to the test starting Monday, January 4th. Um, it was different in a lot of ways. One, back when I was 31, I was married. I had two very young daughters. Uh, they were two years old and like two and one. I'm older now. I am, I'm divorced and uh, my daughters are nine and 11 now. Um, and I had a girlfriend <laughs> during this process. Um, we went through a breakup, unfortunately, which was very hard and emotionally very sad for me, for both of us, uh, honestly. Um, and so that was a lot of emotional stress that I didn't have the first journey. So I would say this journey this time was a lot more emotional um, than the first time. But I will say this, I will say uh, eating this type of food, these processed American foods, not sleeping well. Um, not exercising affects you more mentally and emotionally than you think. Um, it affects your sexual health as well. And your mindset, your positive mindset. Like I just, I could feel that I wasn't as positive as I normally am. I wasn't as nice as I normally am. I wasn't as happy as I normally am because when you eat this unhealthy food and live this unhealthy lifestyle, it doesn't just make you gain fat. It affects your hormones. And when your hormones are out of whack, you're not the same version of yourself. And so that's why like, I've cried so much during this journey because my testosterone is really low. My estrogen and cortisol is really high. And so this is what I'm trying to make people more aware of is like, yeah, it's one thing to eat unhealthy food and, and live a sedentary lifestyle and gain some fat. But I promise you, you're not the most 
you're, you're not the best version of yourself, whether you're a mom, a dad, a spouse, a business owner, a friend, like you're not the best version of yourself when you're not sleeping through the night, when your hormones aren't balanced, when you're not eating healthy food, when you're not exercising, you're not getting enough vitamin D, you're not the same version of yourself. And so I would say that's the biggest difference for me is, is this time around being 40 years old on, on top of going through a breakup, this journey was way more emotional <laughs> than the first journey. I'm sorry to hear that. And I definitely think hormones play a huge role in it too, especially for men too, because sometimes men don't feel the same when they gain that much weight. You know? <laughs> and, but do you think there's a relationship between like, age and losing weight you think it's of course it's easier to lose weight when you're younger but then after 40 do you think it really metabolism slows down that much because some people totally disagree with this statement but some people agree i think it's very individual it it very depends on the person depends on that person's lifestyle like let's say someone is uh, maybe in their 20s and 30s didn't have to exercise they could eat whatever they wanted to and stay really skinny and fit And then all of a sudden in their forties, they start to gain some fat. And then now they start to exercise. Now they start to eat healthy. Well, they're probably not going to see the same benefits or the same uh, results as if they had been living a healthy lifestyle their entire life. So it's, it's very individual. And I, I, I will say, yes, it plays a role, plays a factor, but I don't think it's as big of a factor as people think, you know what I'm saying? I think some people think, oh, well, I'm 40 now and it's harder. Therefore, I'm not going to try as hard. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and, and some people might be trying harder and not seeing the results that they used to see. And that could be, you know, there, there's a lot of things. That's why it's important to check your, your blood work, check your hormones, work with a doctor. Maybe it's not just your diet and exercise. Maybe it's your stress. Maybe it's um, your, your environment that you live in. There's a lot of other factors. Um, but I would just say in general, for most people, Yes, it plays a factor, but for most people, it's probably not as big of a factor as some people think if you had been living this healthy lifestyle for, you know, this whole time. Yeah, I agree. And sometimes like sleep is huge for me. If I don't sleep enough, I feel like I can't, I, yeah, I can actually weight myself, but I gain usually two, three pounds. And if I oversleep or like, sleep a lot, then I, I feel like I lost six pounds. I mean, it's like huge difference can be like in a matter of a day. Yeah. It's very true. And like, for me, that's what I've noticed is I feel like I've been sleeping bad for four months straight and any parents listening to this that have kids like newborn babies, you know what I'm talking about? Like you are not the same person when your baby hasn't slept through the night in two, three months, you're kind of like a zombie, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? And you're just trying to survive through the day. You're not really present. You're not really, um, your emotions are all over the place you can't handle stress like you used to. And this is why a lot of people, uh, when they're sleep deprived, you just, you realize you're, you kind of become delirious, like, and that you're not the same version of yourself. So I know what you're talking about. A lot of people struggle with that. I'm can't wait to go back to sleeping more efficiently when I start exercising again and eating healthy again, I'll, I'll probably feel like a new man. Yeah, for sure. And how do you stay determined and dedicated to your fitness goals? That's a good question. I honestly go through ups and downs, um, even though you might not see that on Instagram. Like my job obviously is health and fitness to be healthy. So it's part of my job, but there are times where even I get burnt out. So a couple of tricks that I do to keep myself motivated is always setting new goals. And my goals have nothing to do with weight or body fat percentage, to be honest with you. 
my goals sometimes are achieving something that I've never done before. Like maybe I want to go hike uh, up a mountain. There's, I live in Utah, Salt Lake City, Utah. There's a lot of mountains out here. So maybe, you know, I want to go hike up this mountain. So I'll train for hiking, right? Or maybe I want to go bike. I want to, I want to learn how to bike and I want to go do a race. Well, I'm going to train differently for that event. Just recently, before I started Fit to Fat to 40, um, in August, uh, in June, I did a hundred mile run in 24 hours and I've never ran a marathon in my life before that point. So for me, I trained my body differently to achieve a hundred mile run in 24 hours. And so maybe once or twice a year, I'll switch up my routine. I'll switch up my goals so that I'm constantly trying new things and I'm constantly, you know, looking for something to achieve instead of like, okay, I want to get skinny and have muscles like that's a good goal, but even if you achieve that, then what, the, the, what's your next goal? Cause if you don't have goals, it's not as fulfilling. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not as fun or entertaining. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that, that's the biggest thing. The other thing is to stay accountable to someone. So hiring a coach, a trainer, um, being a part of a group. Um, that's why on my journey back to fit, which starts January 4th, I have thousands of people from all over the world that have signed up to do this journey with me because we're going to go through the journey together and we're all part of a community where we can ask questions. It's a safe place to share your struggles or your successes as well. And um, we're all helping each other out. Even though we're strangers, we all have a common goal to do this journey back to fit together. And that's what makes, you know, this whole fit to fat to fit thing. So powerful, I think is instead of the leader, you know, me leading from the, the top of the mountain saying, Hey guys, it's super easy you know, just don't give up on yourself. I've come down off my mountain and I'm in the back. And so I'm in a way kind of leading from the back and it's a unique approach. It's a a different approach than what most people are used to uh, from what they see in the fitness, fitness industry. Most of the, most of the time they see their trainer or coach with 5% body fat, never struggled with food addiction or emotional eating a day in their life. And the, and I think this is a different approach where I can empathize with people on their mental and emotional struggles with food and because I've been there uh, during this journey and last journey. And so that keeps me motivated, to be honest with you, is, <laughs> uh, is uh, you know, being accountable to my audience and, 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 and I keep them, them accountable as well. Yeah, usually all the trainers are very fit and never had to struggle with any weight in their lives, like you said. This yeah. Is so true. <laughs> And you really came down and really going through this journey with them. It's, it's re- pretty hard for you. Like, especially you were fit before and had to gain all this weight to do this. But it's very, like, fascinating, too. Thank you. Is it possible to lose weight without intense exercise? And what's the best exercise to lose weight? Good question. Yes, it is possible to lose weight without exercise. but Honestly, I think most people's goals is fat loss. They think it's weight loss, but your goal should be fat loss because if you're just going off the scale and you want to lose weight, you you don't want to lose lean mass, which is your muscle, right? If your lean mass is high, then that will help you burn more calories to lose more fat mass. So if your goal, it truly is fat loss, you can lose fat without exercising for sure, but you might lose some muscle too which means your metabolism slows down, which means you probably don't look good naked. Um, And so I would recommend exercise for sure, but it is possible to lose weight, lose fat without any exercise, but you might not like the way you you look. 
the best exercise for men and for women is to do some type of resistance training, whether that's lifting weights, whether that's body weight exercises, whether that's carrying your kids around on your back or, you know what I'm saying? Like whatever, you know, resistance training uh, moves you want to do to build some lean muscle, because the more muscle you have, the higher your metabolism is, which means the more calories you burn, which means the more fat you're going to lose. But I think a lot of women sometimes are scared of lifting weights because they think, oh, I don't want to get big bulky muscles. Unless you're doing some type of steroids or testosterone <laughs> shots, you're, um, <laughs> you're probably not going to put on the muscle that you think. So don't be afraid to do some resistance training, lifting some weights to build that lean muscle mass to then burn more fat mass so that you, you know, look good naked, which is, I think, most people's goal. But we're so fixated on the scale but the scale doesn't tell you how much of that is fat mass versus lean mass. Yeah. The the best exercises I think for most people would be something along the lines of uh, deadlift squats, push-ups, some type of pull-up, you know, whether it's assisted with a band or, you know, uh, if you can do pull-ups by yourself and then some type of core work, I think either whether that's plank sit-ups, toes to bar um, rollouts with a little kind of a handheld wheel that you push out, uh, there's a, there's a lot of ways you can strengthen your core. Um, but I would say those would probably be the best overall ones, uh, for fat loss. I see. I never tried resistance training or heavy lifting or any of that because I do get bulky, like fast. And I've been in sports all my life. Like I've been in rhythmic gymnastics for eight years and then I just been in fitness and yoga for like 10 years, over 10 years. And I never done heavy lifting okay. because I feel like when I work out that I have to like stretch a lot because then muscles feel really bulky. I don't know. But before I remember like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, cardio was such a huge thing. Everybody was crazy about cardio. They were like, Oh, you have to do cardio, but then you lose all your curves. You lose all your actual, like, you know, women don't really like it because it makes your back flat. And (laughs) definitely you can only get it with squats and other things, but cardio used to be a huge thing, which not anymore. Right. Yeah, exactly. But like, like what you were saying, it's it's, a lot of it is genetics. Like you probably are genetically disposed to gain muscle really fast. And you, you probably put on so much muscle over the years of doing gymnastics that your body's not going to lose it, you know, in two, three, four months. Uh, your body can probably maintain that and hold on to it for a, a while. And it just depends. Like, it depends on what that person's goals are. Like, sometimes our goals are based off of what they see on someone on Instagram, right? Like, oh, I want to look like this model. Well, <laughs> maybe you will, maybe you won't. But even if you don't look like that, you're not a failure. That's the problem. I think people compare themselves to a supermodel or a celebrity or an athlete. And they're like, well, I don't look like that. Therefore, I'm less than, or I'm not as valuable in society because maybe someone made fun of you, or maybe you bought into that myth at some point in time that, oh, someone said I'm fat, therefore I'm a failure. And it's really hard to break free from that. And so if you just focus on, this is what I try and tell people, be open to experimenting with new things. Maybe go try CrossFit for six months and see how your body looks. You don't know what you're going to look like until you actually give it a try. For you, it sounds like you've experimented and you're like, okay, I don't like I put on muscle really quick. So lifting weights probably isn't for me, but I would say most people, most girls don't have that problem. Um, and so maybe go give like CrossFit a try or powerlifting or just some basic, you know, uh, some basic exercises, but then also mix in yoga, mix in hiking, biking, something that's therapeutic. So that doesn't feel like a chore. 
And I think if people could shift their perception of what success looks like, then I feel like they could become happier with who they are. And I think the problem is that we put so much emphasis on the results. And if they don't get the results, then they're a failure. That keeps people from living that healthy lifestyle because they're only doing it for the results. So they're like, okay, I'll diet, I'll exercise for a period of time. But if I don't get the results, then why am I doing this? I might as well stop, right? Say if you learn how to operate out of a place of self-love and you learn to love yourself now, let's say you're not perfect, you're not where you wanna be, you have a long ways to go. But if you learn to love yourself now and operate out of a place of self-love instead of self-hate, then I promise you, if you learn to fall in love with the process because you're worth it, because you love yourself and it feels good to eat healthy food, it feels good to exercise, it feels good to be strong. And if you start falling in love with the process because you're worth feeling healthy, then guess what happens over time? Then you start to become more consistent and you've just shifted your focus. Instead of, shift, instead of focusing on the results, now you're just focusing on living uh, that process, doing the process because it feels good to you. And then boom, you look back six months, nine months, 12 months, two years, whatever. And you're like, man, I've been exercising five days a week. I've been eating healthy food and the results end up taking care of themselves over time. And, but your happiness isn't dependent upon the results. You're happy whether you get those results or not. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned that so accurate that I probably have like a lot of muscle. I do actually. And, you know, sometimes I don't exercise for a couple of months and people ask me how many days a week I work out. <laughs> I was like, I don't, none. <laughs> yeah, we're all so different. Like, um, you know, people ask me the same thing. I'm like, well, usually five days a week, 30 to 40 minutes a day at the most. And that's pretty much it. People are like, what? I thought you have to work out for hours and eat nothing. It's like, no, that's not true. <laughs> yeah what is the best strategy for those who hit plateau uh that's a good question a lot of people base their plateaus on weight so if the scale's not moving they think they're stuck in a plateau i would recommend going and get a body fat test instead of the scale because the body fat test how tells you how much of your weight is muscle versus fat and base your results off that so do that, that test once a month, maybe to see if your lean mass possibly is going up or staying the same. And if your fat mass is going down, that's what you should be aiming for. So maybe the scale isn't budging, but you don't know if your lean mass is going up and your fat mass is going down. But if you got a body fat test, you would know that. So you wouldn't be stuck in a plateau. Does that make sense? But let's say for whatever reason you are, you haven't budged in two, three, four months, you have to be open to changing and trying new things changing up your workout routine. Like let's say you do the same routine every week, three days of lifting, three days of cardio, and it's pretty much the same structure. Well, maybe instead of your cardio on the, on the treadmill, maybe you start rowing instead of running, or maybe you start biking instead of rowing or whatever it is, change up your routine so that your body has to adapt to a new environment. And that's the biggest thing is people get stuck in, well, I'm, I'm running three days a week. I'm eating these foods and I'm being consistent with it. Your body is really good at adapting to new environments. And so if you want to see results, you have to change up your environment because that's going to force you to adapt to that new environment. Like, let's say you're sedentary like me. I haven't worked out in four months because of what I'm doing. I just went for a walk this morning, a 20, 30, 40 minute walk or so. And my legs are sore because my body is adapting to this new environment of walking now because I haven't walked in in four months. Um, Now, guess what? I'm sore. But then eventually after a month or so, my body's going to adapt and the soreness won't be there anymore. And then it's like, okay, I'm stuck in a plateau. Maybe instead of walking, I should start running, right? 
And then maybe instead of running uh, at the next level, maybe I add in some sprints at the end because I've never sprinted before. Or maybe I've never lifted weights. Maybe if I go and lift weights, you're going to be sore from lifting weights, but your body is adapting to that new environment. That new environment, uh, when you adapt to it, will create change. I see. And how often is the best to change up your kind of workout routine? I would say every, um, for me, I change it up every two weeks, every two to three weeks. For other people, I'm okay with doing every two or three weeks, but that might be too much uh, for them to come up with a new routine every two or three weeks. I would say every four to six weeks. Um, Let's say you don't really know how to uh, formulate a workout. Uh, I would say every four to six weeks is still ideal, to be honest with you. I see. And what is your daily mantra? Who my daily mantra is, <laughs> well, it depends because I'm a, a single dad with two daughters. I have them every other week. Um, when I'm with my girls, my daily mantra is to be present and to make memories with my girls. When I don't have my girls and I'm by myself, I would say my daily mantra is to find ways to serve other people, whether that's through my post on Instagram, whether that's through responding to messages, whether that's through the way I speak on my Instagram live finding ways to serve other people. Because if you're feeling down about yourself, if if you're feeling sad about your situation and you're you're kind of like, you know, woe is me and you're really sad, go serve someone else. And I promise you that will instantly make you feel better. And so that's kind of one of my mantras is to find ways to serve because if I'm serving other people and making them feel fulfilled, that makes me feel fulfilled. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's the best. So true. Like when you make somebody, I mean, give somebody advice, it already makes you feel happy. And where can our listeners find you? Your Instagram, all your information? Yeah, it's super simple. So my website is fit2fat2fit.com. And that is the number two, not, not T-O. And then my social media is the same, fit to fat to fit on with the number two on all of them. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. It's all fit to fat to fit. Great. Thank you so much, Drew. That was amazing. That was fun. Thank you, Olya. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. That was all for today, guys. I hope you really enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Not Basic Blonde podcast is available on all the major platforms with new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. To support the show, tag NBB Podcast on your Instagram stories and check out more behind the scenes on Instagram as well at notbasicblonde underscore or NBB Podcast. And if you haven't, Subscribe, rate, and review Not Basic Blonde Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great day. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.